This week's Bible story is the transfiguration of our Lord. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in His glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The last Sunday in Epiphany is always the transfiguration of our Lord, and so we are pleased to continue to have the family Bible stories and Sunday school readings um, parallel what we are hearing in the divine service. It's a great way to continually connect the children with the divine service. And so many of the hymns on this Sunday of the Transfiguration of our Lord uh, tell the story of the Transfiguration in very concrete ways. And those are listed for you in the congregation at prayer from last week. We begin with the reading of Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, brought them up on a high mountain by themselves, and was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let me do a little bit of an introduction, catechesis on the concept of God's glory. Number one, God's glory is often conceived of in terms of God's attributes, which would be things like his omnipotence, that he is all-powerful, his omniscience, that he is all-knowing, his justice, etc. But God's glory is much more than his attributes. God's glory is centered most especially in his nature, divine love, a love that is pure, selfless, and self-giving. We talk about this love often. And that's really what is at the heart of God's glory. Number two, it is because of the nature of God, the purity of his love, which is at the heart of his glory, that sinners tremble and fear in the presence of that glory. At the heart of the corruption of our nature 
is the self-centered egotism to which Satan tempted us to follow. This problem of sin which thoroughly corrupts our nature, making it impossible for us to come to a right knowledge of God, to trust in God, to love God rightly, to love others selflessly, and to give of ourselves freely, is at the heart of the fear of God's glory. And the sinner doesn't even realize that that's the reason for his fear. Now, here is the paradox. God's unveiled glory destroys the sinner. It overcomes us and overpowers us and condemns us. But God's veiled glory not only saves us from destruction, but reveals more clearly his loving nature. Here we are talking about things like the conception of the Son of God in the Virgin Mary's womb, in human flesh, his state of humiliation and suffering, his virgin birth, his agonizing passion and death upon the cross, and also things like the touch of his hand upon the sinner for the healing of his forgiveness, whereby he takes our sin into his flesh and gives us his righteousness in exchange, his approach to us in the divine word and in the humble elements of the sacraments. All of these are veiled expressions of God's glory. And in these veiled expressions of God's glory, we come to experience the greater essence of his divine, self-giving, sacrificial love. Notice several manifestations of the glory of God in the scriptures. You've got the glory of God at the burning bush, I am who I am. The glory of God that led the children of Israel through the wilderness, that covered the tabernacle and was located between the cherubim upon the seat of mercy at the Ark of the Covenant. That glory cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The glory that was reflected then in Moses' face. Uh, necessitating that a veil be placed over his face when he talked with the congregation. Uh, the glory of the Lord upon Mount Carmel at the time of the prophet Elijah when fire fell from heaven uh, upon the sacrifice and consumed it. And then we cannot help but think of the glory of the Lord that shone around the shepherds at the announcement of Jesus' birth and what happened? They were sore afraid. And, and all of those manifestations that I just mentioned uh, caused fear in those who experienced it. And then there's the transfiguration. The transfiguration of our Lord not only reveals who Jesus is, the Son of God in human flesh, you see the glory of God shining through his flesh, but it also gives us an epiphany. Remember, epiphany means to be revealed, so it gives us an epiphany of who we will become through Christ in the resurrection on the last day when we are raised to immortality and incorruptibility. Here's where the paradox of the revelations of God's glory come together. So, receiving Jesus now in his veiled glory by faith will give way to full communion with his glory in the life to come when we are raised from the dead. This is the excellent glory of which the Apostle Peter would speak in his um, epistle for the transfiguration. Now let's talk specifically about the text of Matthew chapter 17 that I just read. Look at the points of epiphany in that reading. 
When Jesus was first transfigured, the glory of God was manifest in his flesh and clothing. But they saw the man, Christ Jesus, and then he began to shine with the brilliance of that glory. But here we see the union of the divine and human natures, don't we? Fully manifest. A true God and true man. And in the face of this wonderful uh, metamorphosis and transfiguration, Peter exclaims, Lord, it is good for us to be here. So you see, they're seeing the glory of God manifest in Jesus. And in that moment, they were not afraid. But when the bright cloud overshadowed them, like in the Old Testament above the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord was manifest in an unveiled way as in the Old Testament, theophanies, and when God the Father spoke from heaven, then they fell down on the ground trembling with fear. So you see it already in that interplay between when they're just seeing Jesus, it's good for us to be here. But when it expands into the glory cloud, otherworldly in that sense of unveiled glory, they're filled with fear. Notice this other epiphany. At the beginning of the epiphany season, uh, after we celebrate the visit of the Magi, the first Sunday after the Epiphany was the baptism of our Lord. It began his ministry, and he comes up out of the water, and the heavens are opened, and the Father says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now here at the end of the, trans of the Epiphany season, at the Transfiguration, as in Jesus' ministry, that's at the end of the third year, he'll come down from the mountain and set his face to Jerusalem, we hear the Father's word again, just as we heard it at his baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Father says, hear him, hear him. That helps to explain why he didn't want the disciples saying anything about what they had witnessed until after he was risen from the dead. Now is the time to hear Jesus. The disciples weren't ready to speak about it. But in the Father's word of divine approval, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, uh, the focus of our attention, the attention of faith, is to be exclusively, be exclusively upon Jesus as the only begotten Son, the revelation of God's glory for mankind. The object of our faith is the person of our Lord Jesus. And, and how do we come to know Him? By hearing Him, by listening to His Word. The Father is delighted with His Son, for the Son shares in the Father's nature, this self-giving love. And He is willing to sacrifice Himself upon the cross for us. Hear Him, then, captures the essence of what we are called to in this life as the baptized faithful. Faith not only lives from the Word of Christ, but it is through the Word of Christ that we become partakers of His glory now, for the glory that will later be revealed in us in the resurrection. So, consider this, the greatest epiphany of God's glory is seen in Jesus laying his hands upon Peter, James, and John with the word, do not be afraid. Here the Son of God who is transfigured before them, true God, true man, touches them and speaks a word, do not be afraid. This is my beloved Son, hear him. Do not be afraid. It was a word of absolution. In it, he revealed the glory of his divine love that he would come for sinners. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one 
but Jesus only. Isn't this the life of faith for us now? So we are to look for His glory. We are to desire His glory revealed in the humble and ordinary means of bread and wine in preaching and teaching at the communion rail, at the confessional kneeler, when our pastor hears our confession, lays his hand upon our head and says, I forgive you all your sins, just as Jesus said, do not be afraid. It was a word of absolution. Then there's Moses and Elijah. Not only significant prophets, and they not only signify uh, to who Jesus is, but they were bearing witness to his glory in the Old Testament, and they also represent the entire witness of the Old Testament. Moses was the foundational prophet. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, those first five books were foundational. And Elijah, who witnessed God's glory in the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, he represents the latter prophets. And we can also think of how the second Elijah, John the Baptist, would prepare his way. So this twofold witness of Moses and Elijah, representative of the entirety of the Old Testament, uh, bear witness to Jesus. It's not in Matthew's Gospel, but in Luke's Gospel, he indicates what specifically they were talking about, namely Jesus' exodus, that is to say, his death upon the cross, where we he would depart from this world to the Father and make atonement with his blood. So we see in Jesus' transfiguration then the full epiphany of God's glory, the glory of his self-giving sacrificial love that we will all share in as baptized Christians in the resurrection on the last day. It's a glimpse of the resurrection. And that is an important focus of this particular reading. And Jesus says, tell no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. It's an important word, as I said earlier, because they were still not ready to speak about the divine mystery of God's glory. Now they were given to hear and receive. In the resurrection, then they would be given to speak, as Peter would do in the epistle that's appointed for this Sunday, where he specifically refers to the transfiguration. So what have we learned? Number one, the transfiguration of Jesus' body, which shone like the sun in brilliant white light, shows him to be the eternal Son of God, the great I Am who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. When Peter says, it is good for us to be here, we're reminded of how he tabernacled with them in the wilderness, and now he tabernacles with us in bread and wine. Number two, the appearance of the prophets Moses and Elijah with Jesus demonstrate that the Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets, are indeed fulfilled in Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection. Number three, the focus of our faith is upon Jesus only because he is the Father's beloved Son in whom he is well pleased because he is willingly going to the cross suffering and dying for our salvation. Number four, we are to hear only Jesus for guidance, comfort, peace, and salvation 
He speaks to us now, and this is how we come into the experience of his glory now by faith, even as Peter, James, and John did on the mountain when he touched them and said, do not be afraid. And number five, in the transfiguration of our Lord, the disciples beheld the future glory that awaited them in the resurrection of the body to incorruption and immortality. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you proclaim Jesus, your beloved Son, when his body shone with your eternal glory in the transfiguration. Give us ears to hear only Jesus, to delight in his word, and to know that through his suffering and death, we shall rise with him to eternal life in the resurrection on the last day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.